Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 310, entitled Zach Swinehart on how to get more done aka being more productive part one it was published on thursday the 12th of january 2023 my name's nathan wrigley and some very short housekeeping just before we begin the show if you would like to keep in touch with all that we do head over to wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe fill out the forms there and we will keep you notified when we create new content typically that's for the this week in wordpress show which is on a monday and also the podcast, which is what you're listening to now. The other thing to mention is that we have version 5 of the Page Builder Summit. It's coming around very soon in late February, and we are on the lookout for some sponsors. So if you are part of a WordPress-related company, you might have a product or a service, who knows? We are keen to hear from you. The best place to go would be pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsor. That's pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsor. Go and check out the details there. We've got some very affordable micro sponsorships and it goes all the way up to our jumbo platinum sponsor. But if you have any questions, you can either go to the contact form on that page or hit me up on my email, which is admin at wpbuilds.com. Very keen to get some of you guys helping us put on that event and in return, We will let people know all about your products or services. The last thing to mention is if you are fed up with Twitter and you want to try out a Mastodon install, I'm sure you've heard of Mastodon by now. We've had ours up for nearly two years now. I think it's at wpbuilds.social. So you can go there and sign up for free. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. That's go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And we sincerely thank GoDaddy Pro for their continuing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, what have we got on the show for you today? Well, this is an interesting one. This was intended to be a single podcast episode, but because Zach Swinehart and I really got into the weeds about productivity, well, we decided about an hour in that we were going to stop, pause, and split it up into two episodes. So this is the first of two. We'll come back and do the other one after next week's podcast because we do an interview one week and then a chat with David the next week. So we'll chat with David next week. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks to finish it off. But this is the first one where Zach really gets into the idea of whether or not you are productive enough. Now, it's all done really through the prism of me trying to figure out if I'm productive enough. And guess what? I'm not really. My Achilles heel seems to be things like email and Gmail and just getting lost in things like social media. And really, it's not the best way to do things. And Zach's got this idea of deep work. It's not snake oil. It's not something you know that you're being sold. It's not something brand new. You don't have to sign up for anything. He's just explaining the beginnings of his process. And we go into that in a bit of detail. 
Um, and we continue that, like I said, in a couple of weeks' time. So interesting episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. I am joined on the podcast today by Zach Swinehart. Hello, Zach. Hello. Very nice to have you on the podcast. This is going to be a really intriguing episode, potentially like no other. It's going to be more conversational, less interview, and we'll see how it develops. It may be long, it may be short. We have no idea. But Zach's here today all the way from Georgia, but possibly not the Georgia that comes into your mind. Where are you exactly, Zach? <laughs> Georgia the country, not Georgia the state. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be very interested if anybody listening to this podcast can actually picture where Georgia <laughs> The Point state the is, put yeah. it this way, it's uh, it's it's not in North America. <laughs> mm. uh, but yeah, um, you're joining me today because I don't know exactly how we got connected, but we did get connected. And ever since then, we've had a sort of toing and froing and failures to get on the podcast because of sick children and so on and so forth. But we're here today and it's very much in Zach's court what it is that we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to hand it over to you, Zach, and tell us what it is that you wanted to talk about. All right. The main thing I want to talk about is getting actual work done on the business rather than getting stuck in client work and for fulfillment and small tasks all the time. Yeah. This is a problem which I would imagine most people can identify with. If you've been in business for any length of time, you realize how easy it is just to focus on the tasks that your clients are throwing at you all the time and you realize sort of five years later that you've neglected the business and the business haven't hasn't grown and you're basically exactly where you were five years ago except you're five years older so we're going to try and tackle that i guess yeah and i think that we can look at it from different lenses too because not every freelancer wants to scale and i think that sometimes talking about working on the business connotes things like building processes and hiring and stuff like that. But if somebody wants to be a highly leveraged soloist, I think that there's still a lot of opportunity for applying deep work strategically to, you know, create more time to make music or play with your dogs or whatever it is people like to do. Yeah, I think I think the trope that's always come coming out of, you know, you watch these sort of uh, people on YouTube who are purporting to espouse wisdom around this subject. The idea is always growth, 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 more growth, and then a little bit more growth, please. It has to be growing. <laughs> and of course, yeah. I think for some people that really isn't the case. They've gone into web development because it fitted around their lifestyle. They could work from home and they could just whip out the laptop when there was nothing else going on. They could work late into the evening. And, and it was just really a function of of putting food on the table and growth is the antithesis. It's just a job because this is what I want to do, you know, enjoying it and so on. So that's that's good to bear in mind right at the beginning. This this conversation may not resonate with everybody. Yeah. Okay. Where do we go from here then? What's the uh, what's the first step that you're going to introduce us to? Well, like let's I guess let's talk high level. So I assume most of the listeners have heard of or know what deep work is. But just to throw a definition out there, uh, Cal Newport, I think, is the one who popularized it. And he defines it as, quote, professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free conversation, oh, concentration, <laughs> that push your cognitive abilities to their limit. And so if I were to propose an alternate definition that I think is useful for us as web designers and developers, uh, I think it is... Cal's definition, but with the asterisk that it's uh, distraction-free concentration on the right kind of work. And um, I think that for different businesses and different goals, the definition of deep work is different. So 
if someone is wanting to be a highly leveraged soloist who like, I guess I'll share my own preferences. I like to work on one client project at a time mm -hmm. as a solo designer developer. And so for me, if I want to spend quality deep work just on fulfillment, then that means applying that distraction free concentration to just get a lot of code written or produce a really good design without being distracted by social media and Slack and stuff like that. Or if somebody is running a business with employees, probably for them, distraction-free work means spending time growing their business, building processes, I guess targeting the next goal instead of being stuck answering a million questions from staff on Slack and stuff. So I guess the, uh, the flow to take here is that top-level definition, and then maybe we could talk a bit about how different people might use deep work and then some strategies and pitfalls and things like that. Yeah, that, yeah, sounds, that sounds good. Can I just drill down a little bit on distraction? When, we, when we're talking about distraction, presumably we're talking about things which just suck our time away, which really, upon inspecting what we just did, we kind of regret. So, you know, there's going to be distractions in our lives which are not only a distraction, but they're incredibly important and they need to receive some kind of uh, badge of forgiveness you know so yeah. a good example might be that uh, i don't know there's a, there's a there's an accident in the family and you need to take time out because you simply have to go and visit the hospital to make sure that everything's okay yeah you can imagine a thousand scenarios like that where you basically forgive yourself and say this is fine you know this is perfectly all, all right but there then there's the distraction which really has no merit and regret is the the, the general emotion that you have when you're looking back the, the hours wasted scrolling on um, Facebook and myriad other things just like that. So I guess I guess it's important to, to qualify that all distractions are not equal and some of them you have to allow them to take over your life because it's important. Totally. And I think something useful that I guess this speaks to is everyone has a sort of hierarchical list of priorities for their life and work is just one item in that list. And you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about your kids and stuff like that. And so for people who are listening that are parents, most likely their kids are one of those priorities on the hierarchical list. And most likely they're higher on the list and family is most likely higher. And so to me, if you're taking time that's consumed or that could be labeled as a distraction, but it's in service to one of these top priorities in your life, then it's not such a bad thing really probably yeah. no way around that without just being a crappy parent or family member. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get the point. But but there's this whole uh, system which has developed in, I imagine everybody's life where they really do look back at the end of the day, the end of the week, month, year, however long it is that you're gazing back. And you realize that so much of the time that you could have devoted to, to making your, your business grow or whatever it is that your goals and aspirations are, and you realize that you just squandered it. I think yeah. often the case is just little little increments of time that you just get bored and then you realize that you've got yourself into a, a situation where you've done something for two hours that didn't really have any merit and yeah yeah and it's just that the accumulation of that over time um causes the problem it's like tooth decay it's you know one little thing yeah it's not a big deal but if you leave it for six cuts. years and never brush your teeth then there's a <laughs> there's yeah. a big problem yeah i think probably one of the biggest low-hanging fruit ones that is the ultimate squandering is task switching because it's been studied and we lose efficiency every time we switch from doing one piece of work to another and i know 
in the earlier days of my freelancing, I, I always was task switching. Like I'd be working on project A and then B and then C and then A and then B and then A and then C. And every time you make a switch like that, you lose a lot of productivity because you have to remember what you were doing before, switch your brain into this new type of work, that sort of thing. And the, I think... Yeah, sorry, you carry on, Connor. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that that's where some easy, big wins can be found. And we'll talk yeah. about that. I think in my life, the task switching is more often than not self-inflicted in that I I leave it, I leave the opportunity for me to task switch wide open. Mm. So as an example, um, I, I'm, I'm far less bad at this now, but I was really terrible at it. I would have, you know, a, a browser permanently open, dedicated to, let's say, social media, be that Twitter <laughs> or Facebook or whatever. And it would just be there on the desktop. Screens would be covering it up. And that was my... That was my nod to ignoring it, really. It was just, oh, it's hidden behind a screen. I can't see it. Of course, the reality is that every five minutes or so, you just do the mouse pad gesture and all the screens shuffle around and there's Twitter staring at yeah. me. And 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 so I was a, I was the, the author of my own doom there, really. And yeah. my way around that was eventually to just dedicate dedicate resources to closing all that stuff down. And at the beginning of the day, make sure none of it got opened and be slightly more self-disciplined. I think the problem that I faced, which I again I now seem to have gotten over, is the is allowing a lot of these distractions access to my life via notifications, be those on the desktop mm, or on the mobile yeah. phone. And I've deliberately ignored upon installing these apps the opportunities to turn notifications off or at least go through. And some of the apps really do make it tremendously difficult. And and so, you know, email notifications, bing bong, and just that tiny little bit of um, bit of noise is enough to completely derail me. Totally. Um, yeah. And two minutes later, you realize, man, I've just been looking at email that I don't need to look at for another day, p- potentially. So, yeah, I allowed a lot of that in and I'm more disciplined now. Great. What do you do to manage it now? Just the closing and the decision in advance that you're not going to open them? Yeah. Is- so okay. on the... On the the desktop, I literally don't open the social stuff. Uh, I and and I've vowed to myself that no cookies from any social media will go into my main browser. So I've I've told myself I am not allowed to open. It sounds ridiculous, but this is what I do. Um, I'm not allowed to open Facebook in my main browser. I have to have it in a separate browser. And I deliberately make that browser, like I don't have the icons anywhere sensible. The mm-hmm. icons are sort of buried within menus and so on. So I've got that. And then on my phone, <laughs> I've installed, uh, I'm on an Android phone. And the, the, the screen, the home screen, if you like, on an Android phone is called a launcher. And on, and on Android, you can customize the launcher. So you, like on an iPhone, you're basically left with the default. You can You can move things around, but what Apple gives you is what Apple gives you. On my Android phone, I've got uh, a launcher called, I I believe it's called Better. I can't remember the exact name. I'll have a quick look, actually. I'll have a look in a moment. Um, And uh, it allows me to basically just get rid of everything. It disables notifications unless I explicitly allow them. So, uh, for example, I allow text messages to come through because anybody that's actually got my real phone number, you know, there's merit in that because I, I don't give it out on social media and so on. But also, it's, it's got rid of all the icons. Everything is text. Everything is text. It's a plain background. Um, and so I've got like seven or eight words on my home screen. And it limits me, I think, to eight. I wouldn't be allowed to stray over eight. And so that's been really effective. Um, nice. And the fact that it's just text and boring. 
And I've also uninstalled, well, not uninstalled because you can't uninstall it, but I've disabled uh, Gmail, which comes by default and I use. So I've got rid of email and I've uninstalled everything that can reach out to me. The, my principle was this. If it can reach out to me, I don't want it. Yeah. So Facebook's gone, Slack's gone, Twitter's gone. The only app that can reach out to me is a text message, basically. So I've got rid of anything that that can reach out to me without my authorization, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Did it and work? It- yes, a bit. <laughs> yes, it did. Um, it kind of pushed me over to the desktop a bit more. So I get my fix of Facebook now on the desktop, but that's fine because I've got kind of office hours around the desktop. So that's a bit more manageable. What about you? Do you do this kind of stuff? I do, but I have terrible impulse control with my ADHD. So I've had to be much more, uh, forceful. (laughs) So your system works for you and that's awesome, but it's, it's predicated upon like your own commitment to it. And um, for mine, it kind of goes a step further that's less reliant on my willingness to follow it. So there's an app. It doesn't work as well for iOS anymore because iOS changed it, but it's really good on Android. Uh, There's an app called Freedom that will literally, you can set schedules uh, where it'll literally not allow you to open Gmail or Facebook or whatever uh, when you're in that schedule. Like if you try to open it, it'll show you the Freedom screen. And it'll do it on computer too. So that's something I used to do in the past. But now that I'm on iOS, it doesn't work quite as well because all it does on iOS is um, it disables calls to the server. So you can open the Facebook app, but if you try to refresh it, there just won't be new stuff on the feed, but you'll see like the cached stuff. So it's still gives you your little dopamine hits. Right. Um, so the flow that I do is very similar to yours. I have, I guess my, my ultimate don't let things reach out to me model, which I really like the labeling of that for yours. Um, mine, I have, well, I have an iPod in addition to my iPhone and the iPod doesn't have like any, anything that can reach out to me installed on it. Right. So what I'll typically do is use my iPhone in the mornings until for me, my, my deep work, like no reaching out to me kind of time is up until 1 PM or 2 PM. And so I'll not use my phone until then. So on my iPod, I have like an authenticator app installed and I have just various things that I would say, oh, but I can't turn off my phone because I need blank. I have all that on the iPod, but I don't have Gmail or Facebook or anything like that. Um, I will, before I go to bed on my phone, turn off the uh, mobile data and Wi-Fi so that if I do need my phone for some reason, I'm not going to get any notifications. And I have a schedule set for do not disturb. Yeah. So that, yeah, me too. Yep. Nice. So you'd have to like swipe down to see the notifications and they don't make any noise. That helps a lot. Um, phone in drawer is a good one. Let me think of what else. Cause I have a lot of systems here and I'm just trying to think of the full. Yeah. Just, protocol. I'll just, whilst you have a think, I'll just add a couple of bits to that. I do phone in kitchen at mm. night. Um, because essentially I, I've got the, uh, we have a landline, you know, the, the old landline and there's, there's one of those in the bedroom. And basically if, if there was some kind of crisis and I'm thinking, you know, close family members that will ring, you know, the last time it rang was many, many years ago. But th- the point is that if truly, Somebody needed to reach me in the middle of the night, which is very unlikely, but you, you get the scenario, I'm sure. 
that will ring and the yeah the phone just stays in charging in the um in the kitchen do the same for the kids um trying to install that habit it's a lot more difficult with the kids because we we didn't enforce that habit for a while and they right. got um you know they just got into that habit and so now we're having to break it and it's it's tough but um yeah there you go yeah i think that the trick is having having a solid reason and then putting systems in place to help enforce it i think for me I've been lately thinking a lot about ADHD and dopamine hits and how ADHD brains are a lot more prone to addiction and a lot more prone to dopamine seeking than neurotypical brains and how expecting myself to be able to have willpower and just put something away that's serving some emotional purpose or some like dopaminogenic, if that's even a real word, purpose, um, isn't really that realistic. And so thinking in terms of replacement has been really helpful. I've been yeah. using this. I, I was uh, just going to say, yeah, go bear in mind that the, the creators of these devices, you know, the, the, built them the, to be the guys addictive. at Android <laughs> and the guy, well, Google, I guess, and the guys at uh, Apple, you know, they, they, they employ some seriously clever people and they, they have figured out a nigh on perfect system for derailing your yeah. ability to concentrate. But yeah. also bear in mind that inside that little black rectangle is every song that was ever written, is all the information in the world, every film that ever existed, and all of the social stuff, all the news. It's right there. So you know that just picking it up, you are going to get some kind of window on the world that you wouldn't do if you didn't pick it up and and it, that's incredibly beguiling um and i think that's useful to bear in mind you know it's it, it sometimes it actually reminds me i don't know if you've seen the film 2001 where there's that literally a black obelisk which rather rather looks like a mobile <laughs> phone and it was beguiling to the astronauts who went up there to mars i believe it was and they couldn't take their eyes off it it's a bit like that um but it's because it's so utilitarian it gives you everything you want and especially for children, you know, as they're growing up and their neurons are being set in certain pathways, it's uh, it's pretty compelling and it's it does yeah. a lot. And so I, 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 I can well imagine that most of us on some level have a, a little bit of an addiction. Do you know yeah. you were speaking earlier about your phone and what you've done? And it's curious that we've both gone to certain lengths to make our phones worse than they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would actually buy a phone. I imagine the market is tiny, but I would literally throw this phone in the bin if I could get a phone which did text messages, um, would, was able to play podcasts, had a camera, and could play an app like Spotify. That's that's my criteria. Those four things would, that's all <laughs> I need now. And the rest of it is just uh, a weight around my neck. Yeah. Yeah, I heard of actually some sort of like flip phone resurrection that could maybe yep. do all those things except yep. podcasts. Yeah, I had a look and I found I found a variety of phones that could achieve half, sometimes a third, uh, sorry, you know, like two thirds or something like that, but never quite, never never did I quite find the device that will do it all. Yeah. So I'm left with this. Uh, but this, that's the, the yeah. iPod hack might be perfect for you because well, that's what that is. Yeah, what I was thinking next time around is I'm just going to buy a really cheap smartphone and get a camera so you know make you know really really cheap so that browsing the internet is just horrific um everything would load incredibly slowly but it can it can cache some songs and all of that kind of stuff because it doesn't take much to do that so yeah just go back to the day back 20 years or so carry a little pocket 
camera in my <laughs> yeah. in my pocket and a, a completely rubbish phone in the other pocket. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be for another episode, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, on this this topic of eliminating inputs uh, and you talking about your challenges with Gmail, one of the tools I have down that people might really enjoy is uh, called Inbox When Ready. It's a Chrome extension. And it will add kind of like an, a layer of friction, just like how for you logging into Facebook, you have to go into your secondary browser and you have to go through all these extra steps and that adds a little bit of friction. Similarly, inbox when ready, what it does is it hides your entire inbox and just puts a little button there that says show inbox. And it'll tell you how many min- minutes today your inbox has been visible. So it gives you like a little bit of friction, a little bit of accountability and it just adds that one extra step that might help people catch themselves if they're so impulsive. the ui is open let's imagine it's gmail the ui is open only it's blank and yeah. okay ah, that is interesting okay i have something similar so i might as well share that i have uh i have a, a, a chrome extension because i i well I, i'm actually using brave but it's a chromium mm-hmm. derivative um and i have something called active inbox and it has a very similar feature you can click a button uh, I'm trying to find the, the thing for it now, but I can't quite see it. It used to be like a little eye uh, icon and you click the eye icon and the inbox basically goes away. And it also shrinks the menus down to like font size two. Uh, so even <laughs> the menus are just like horrifically unreadable, but the, the inbox itself sort of disappears away from view. And yeah, I haven't found myself using that. Um, okay. e- email seems to be the one that gets through, not on my phone because it's gone, but email seems to be the one that um, I'm less willing. It's, you know, it's more like prize it from my cold, dead hands, it seems. So I'm well, less I, of a success story there. <laughs> I'm interested in exploring this because I think a lot of people can relate to this. If I said, Nathan, don't check your inbox until 1 p.m., what would your objection be? Like, why is it that you want to check it often? What's the yeah? I, I genuinely speaking, I don't have one, so I am self-employed, so I don't have a boss, so I don't have that excuse. It is just, I think, muscle memory. I've also got um, so when I close down my Mac, uh, as, at the point at where you close it, I don't know about Windows, but I'm imagining there's a similar scenario. But when I close down my Mac, there's a an icon which is permanently checked. I never uncheck it, which is reopen the the, the apps that that are open now when you switch it on again. So basically, whenever my Mac comes to life, you know, in the morning, essentially when I come sit down, the the browser opens and the the more or less the only tab that I have opening constantly is is Gmail. So it's just there by default. And it's it's interesting, actually, and maybe this is a bit of a hack. If you asked me to do that and I said yes, and I have no objection to that, I genuinely I've I could totally live without it. The mere fact that I'd said yes to you would mean that I would achieve it because I really don't like letting people down. And I know, mm. know that seems kind of trite, but if I had, you know, if I hadn't agreed to it, then, you know, neither here nor there. But if I'd confirmed to you that I wouldn't do it, even though I know you couldn't see me and check up on me, that would be a, an absolute shoe in for me having that, having success around that area. Mm. Yeah. So, I have a couple ideas if you would be interested in me sharing them. So um, do you have any sort of evening journal where you like wrap up your day and have anything like shut down complete kind of Yeah, so I've tried a few. Um, I tried one called Mindwave and I've currently got one by Automatic actually, who you may or may not know. Um, Mm. They bought it a little while ago. It's called Day One. 
um, and I kind of got bored of it. Okay. Uh, after after basically writing really pathetic little entries that I've then f- never had any interest in reading, I kind of lost interest in it. I never did diaries, never did any of that kind of stuff. So it just seems to be a part of life that I've never inspected. But I'm guessing there's some wisdom around it. Yeah, I mean, I so again, maybe it's an ADHD thing. Sometimes it's hard for me to know what's driven by ADHD and what's not. But I have a terrible memory. And so... I found a lot of success in sort of automating things with systems to help me not have to remember things. And so for me, I have an evening journal that I do at the end of every day. I I do one in the morning and one in the evening, and I can pull it up and tell you what's in it. And actually what I can do, it's on Notion, so I can just give you a link to the template and people listening can pull it up in the show notes. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, But I just do like a little check-in how the day went, what went well, what needs work, What's one thing I'm grateful for? Stuff like that. But the main thing that's important here that I wanted to mention this for with you is one of my little, quote, preparation for tomorrow tasks is close Gmail. <laughs> close yeah. Gmail and extra tabs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And because um, <laughs> so I would do the same thing. I would open up my computer, the inbox would be open, and I'd see some little interesting things in there. And I think it, the inbox can be especially addictive sometimes. Like right now, I have a proposal out to a client that's for a really big amount of money. And so I'm, you know, every yeah. time I check the inbox, yeah, you could yeah, say yes, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so there's definitely some, it's addictive because you can get good news, but it's dangerous because you can get bad news and you can get distractions. That's kind of the inbox. But also lines. every day that you stare at that where you don't get the good news is kind of a confirmation that it's bad news. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It you carries know. a big risk. Yeah, yeah. The, the absence of good news is by default disappointment. And that's not good either, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And so if others listening have some resonance with what you're saying, I think two things that you might find helpful. One of the tools I wanted to talk about that's worked well for me is this app called Habitica. And basically it's a habit app that is built as this kind of RPG game. And if you play it with friends, if you're in a party, uh, Well, so the the core premise of Habitica is that every time you do one of your daily routines or one of your habits that are not necessarily daily, you just want to do them, you get experience points and gold and stuff like that. And you can like level up your character, fight bosses, that sort of thing. But the cool bit for accountability is if you're playing with friends in a party, if you don't do your habits for the day, everyone in the party takes damage. And so if you were to use this app, you might create a daily habit that is shut down my inbox at the end of the day. And then another one that's like, don't look at notifications until XYZ time or don't open inbox until XYZ time. And if you don't do that, you would damage your party. And so it gives you this like kind of accountability boost and dopamine boost when you do do the things because you get those experience points. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting because it speaks to the the thing that I was saying earlier about the accountability. If you asked me to do it and I agreed, I would be, uh, you know, I would feel dreadful if I didn't manage to achieve that. So somehow I disappointed you or what have you. Yeah. The so there is that I would gain from that. The 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 interesting thing for me is that I'm I've I've really never had any interest in um, kind of gaming of any kind mm. at any point in life. You know, if I walk into a room and somebody's gaming, more or less anything, I'm more or less guaranteed to do a 180 and leave the room. I just never found <laughs> it that, that interesting. Okay. So I, I think that would have mixed results for me yeah. just because of my proclivity to not really like to do games yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. You have to have the right kind of personality. Yeah. But it's a nice idea though, isn't it? The idea that you're in a cohort of people who are all trying to do the same thing. I'm guessing Habitica will, what did you say it was called? Yeah. Habitica. Yeah. It will, it will set you up with, mm, does it have to be real world friends or could you just combine it with, you know, online people that you don't necessarily ordinarily know, but who are trying to develop habits as well? You could do that. They oh, have okay. a bunch of, um, they have like guilds. So I joined the ADHD guild. And so you, you <laughs> could find, you could find party members through yeah. the app if you needed to. Yeah. Okay. So th- that's, that's kind of interesting, especially if, if it was a, a manifestation of ADHD that you were trying to tackle, I guess sharing it with that cohort of people would be really useful, you know, and in the same way, if you were trying to wean yourself off social media and that was literally the only thing that you were trying to do, finding a similar cohort of people with the exact same problem would be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm trying to think of what would work well for you in this one. Yeah. Because the accountability, like, do you think you respond better to carrot or stick? Because you letting someone down, that's like stick. Yeah, that is a bit stick, isn't it? I Maybe stick? I don't really know. Yeah, possibly. Okay, so here's here's a here's a thing as well, which we I don't know if we were due to get onto it right now or not, but <laughs> I, I respond, I kind of, there's, there's some things that I really enjoy doing. And so I kind of dwell on those to the exclusion of the things that I don't really enjoy doing. So I don't know if that's a feature of your life or if you're you know, more disciplined than that. But mm-hmm. I find myself able to carry out tasks of more or less any length um, if I really enjoy them. And the opposite is true. You know, if, if a task, no matter how small, if I really don't enjoy it and I've had my had my hands bitten in the past by such a task, then I'll kind of put those <laughs> things off. So there is a bit of procrastination based upon the, the the nature of the task at hand. So yeah, that doesn't really answer your question, but. <laughs> so for you, is the inbox in this category of things that you really enjoy? I think it is. Yeah, I think I quite enjoy perusing email doesn't that sound sad <laughs> well i mean maybe for you you get more good news than bad news like do you why, but also why you yeah i'll tell you what i don't get I, I literally don't get horrific email yeah you know i don't get the kind of rage email from the boss um and you know telling me that i've failed at certain tasks i'm not applying for jobs so there's kind of no disappointment on that end but essentially my email is a constant string of either things that i want to read so I receive a lot of email about WordPress, which I'm deeply interested in. And so I receive more or less every kind of marketing email on the planet that's centered around that. So in a sense, it's getting all my dopamine there. But also I don't, it, it, it isn't for me um, an annoyance in that it's making me cross or angry. Um, you know, the nasty things are not coming through my inbox. So maybe that speaks to that a little bit. I have two points yep. that I'm hoping will convince you of the ways of the deep work. So <laughs> the first point is that surely sometimes you get an email that's like, Nathan, I listened to your episode about Gutenberg and you're so wrong and it's stupid and you're stupid um, or something. Never? Uh, I'm going to get one now. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least... Uh, no, no, to be fair, really, no. I think, okay. I think it, it's been 24 months or more and and I have this uh, okay, so yeah, sort of revealing slightly more than I intended here, but the, <laughs> the the tiny handful of occasions when that has arrived at my inbox, I have this approach where basically I just kill them with kindness. I just write back and 
prostrate myself and sort of say, look, I'm really sorry about that. And, and in every occasion where it's happened, and it, honestly, it's probably two or three, uh, it got turned around in an instant. So it, it, even, even that didn't put me off. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. Then the other point may be more compelling, which is what are your big goals right now with WP builds? Like what, what are the big meaty projects or big meaty milestones you want to reach? Yeah. I mean, I guess the, 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 the purpose of a podcast is to have an audience. Um, and I suppose it would be to grow the audience, although, you know, I'm not exactly, um, you know, I'm not sort of doing Facebook ads or anything like that. I, it kind of grows by um, by word of mouth more than anything else. So yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't connect those two things. I don't connect goals in email to my uh, inability to close it down, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So there aren't like so. I guess for me, I could say, let's say with this kick-ass freelancing brand, I have goals of publishing content building my audience, that sort of thing. And so for me, with where I'm at with this business, the deep work that needs to be done is around content creation or right. outreach or something like that. Right. Or with my freelancing business, the deep work might need to be also content creation to market the freelancing or deep work on client projects or something like that. And so if I take my best energy before I have had any distractions. So if I see some email that gets me thinking about something or, and it doesn't even have to be a negative thing. It could just be like, I don't know, I get an email about some new game that's coming out. And so I decide I want to go to the website for that game and learn more about it. Like just, you know, anything that kind yeah. of hijacks your yeah, attention. Yeah. I feel like the morning starts out kind of pristine. And then as soon as you see a notification telling you about what somebody who you used to go to high school with is doing on Facebook or some email about whatever, your brain gets hijacked into these things and now you don't have as good of creative energy for whatever really requires it. So that's kind of like, at least for me, I think that's the biggest argument for deep work and specifically for me, deep work first thing is getting to take pristine energy that allows you to get like twice as much done in the same amount of time and use that when you have it versus letting it get drained away unintentionally on stuff that you didn't actually plan to have it go to. Yeah. And so maybe for you, the inbox is something that you actually feel is where you need to be, in which case maybe don't cut it. But if yeah. you feel like it's taking you away from important stuff, then that's probably when it makes sense to look. Yeah. At. It's kind of so benign. Like I've completely, uh, everything that you've just said resonates really well with social media. Um, but somehow the, the inbox is less, um, less uh, catastrophically bad. You know, it do doesn't really seem to have that problem. But what I am going to do, given that we've just had this conversation and I've said that I'm not going to be able to do something if I've committed it, I am going to try that. I'm going to give myself a, like, I don't know what a decent amount of time is. I, I don't honestly know how long it takes for your kind of muscle memory to uh, evaporate. But I'll, let, let, me, let me say, let's go for like two weeks. So from today, I'm going to try that for a couple of weeks, uh, not open it up, disable it so that it doesn't open up first thing in the morning. And just I'll just see. I'll just see what the effect of that is. Um, maybe I'll do what you've talked about, which was giving yourself this deadline of one o'clock or two o'clock before you open it. Maybe that's something I could adopt. I know there was a there's a, a friend called Mike Killen. I don't know if you've come across Mike Killen, but he... Uh, he was on a podcast episode me many years ago, actually, and he said that his approach basically is to is to chunk time 
for email. So I think mm -hmm. it was midday, 20 minutes, and then five o'clock, however long it took. So he would block it into two sections. So he'd give 20 minutes for, and he would go through and in that 20 minutes, he'd decide if anything urgently needed to be dealt with. Smart. And then at the end of the day, he would deal with the things that needed to be dealt with until that whole process was done and clean out the inbox. I will say one other thing that I've been really good at over the years is I've been very, very good at keeping my inbox uh, below 50. If my inbox approaches 50, I'm, I hate that. I want, yeah. I want to be able to see every email that I've got on one screen. So maybe that's part of my addiction is that I, I, you know, I've got this habit of going in and kind of deleting things. As an example, um, over the last, I don't know, six hours or so, I've probably received about 20 email. My inbox is now standing at 59 and that's now annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, there's a process of going in and expunging them to keep it low. <laughs> yeah. And, and that is really interesting because I think each time I, I get this with unsubscribing from newsletters that I don't read each time I unsubscribe from a newsletter I'm not active in each time you archive an email that's not relevant, that's rewarding. It's inherently rewarding because it's like a gift to your future self. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the little dopamine hits you get just from cleaning out your inbox are a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, when you can sort of tick the box and go through what are clearly 15 spam emails and you hit them all at once and you go from, I don't know, 52 right down to 37 or whatever it might be just in one hit. It's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> I have it. But also that's, that's maybe another reason why I don't fear the email quite so much, you know, it, because I don't have 16,000 in yeah. an inbox. I was totally. talking to a, a friend the other day and he showed me his Gmail screen and, and it really was in the tens of thousands of unopened emails. And I just thought, I wouldn't even know what to do with that. I wouldn't yeah, know where to begin. I'd have to take a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have that with my task management program. Yeah. I, I was telling you before the call, I spent all Monday and Tuesday doing shallow work that I've been pushing. And I had like, gosh, 100 tasks in Tick Tick. Um, so I get it. What's the, but, what's the difference between, where do you draw the boundary between deep work and is it just, is it just, is it binary? Is it deep work or shallow work? Is that the only distinction? And if that's the case, where does the boundary go between deep and shallow? I think it has to do with interruptivity and mm -hmm. task, um, I guess, involvedness and time it takes. So right. for example, I have one client who is hosted on WP Engine and they've got some beef with some WebP converting plugin that's using up too much data on the server. So I've been having to like debug plugins. And then I also have to do some CSS stuff for some ads for her. And like just all these little micro tasks that I, I, I really don't like this kind of work uh, that take like 10 minutes per sitting, but can't be resolved in one sitting. So it's like three tasks that each take 10 minutes per day that keep coming up every single day. To me, right. that's like quintessential shallow work. Whereas deep work could be building a new feature or building a new website from scratch. Let me think of a shallow version of deep work. I'll have to think for a second on that. I guess a shallow version of deep work is like, I don't know, let's say that somebody wants some load speed optimization. That's like, it's kind of a small task still, but it's the kind of thing that would take a bit of time that you could just zoom in and work only on that one thing. You're not having to bounce into your inbox to check something, go back to work, bounce into Slack to ask them a quick question, go back to work. I think that's maybe how I would separate them. 
I'm guessing that deep work for you and shallow work for you is completely different to me then. Um, there isn't a, there is no definition of it. You have to come up with your own criteria of what that means because you, you may find something deeply important that I just, it's just not on my radar because we have different businesses, different lifestyles, different aspirations and so on. Yeah. I think maybe the, the global definition that we can rewind back to is the Cal Newport one, which is like, is it something you can do distraction-free focused work on? And if it's archiving an email, the answer is no. If it's responding to an email, the answer is also kind of no. But if it is doing a task that's implied by an email, the answer may or may not be yes. Maybe that's how we could define it. So how do you, how did you go about defining what the things were for you that, that are deep in inverted commas? You know, what are the, what were the processes that you went through to determine those well, goals for want of a better word? Well, so you're asking for the goals or for the definitions with my data? Yeah, so the, the, the latter, the definitions of your deep work. I guess it's kind of intuitive, really. Uh, maybe I can give some examples and that'll help to illustrate it. So something that had me thinking about this recently is that I have a coaching client who, so for me, as I said, I am like a highly leveraged soloist. I'm just a freelancer. I work with a small number of clients. I try to work 10 to 15 hours a week on my freelance business. But conversely, this client of mine wants to scale and he has a SaaS component to his WordPress business. And he has a developer who works on this SaaS and he, his objection to doing deep work when I was challenging him to do what I was challenging you to do, his objection is that his developer often asks him questions and he doesn't want to leave that dev hanging because he wants to like keep him working. He wants to keep him motivated. He wants to keep him thinking that he cares about his work. He doesn't want to appear disengaged. Um, and so in that case, like that's, him always having to stay shallow enough to be interruptible is his version of shallow work versus deep work. Whereas for him, the deep work might be building processes into his business so that he can actually hire somebody to take the fulfillment work off his plate. But he never seems to have time to do that because he has to always do fulfillment work and he's always distracted during his fulfillment work by responding to clients and his staff members. So I don't really have a good answer for how I arrived at my definition of the two, but the bad, unhelpful answer is perhaps that you just kind of know. Yeah. Um, I think that interruptibility is a big part. Like if, if you are allowing yourself to be interrupted, you are inherently going to be doing shallow work, even if it's on the kind of task that would be suited for deep work. It's interesting because I, I've, kind of find some people in life are very how to describe it they're very introspective they're very good at analyzing what they need to do and where they fail in in inverted commas and other people don't seem to apply that time and maybe I'm in the latter category there you know I certainly don't think a great deal about what it is that I'm doing and so on and so forth but um Maybe you do, typically. You know, you just said just then people will know for themselves. I would imagine in my case, I would actually, you know, need coaching on that or certainly need to spend some time writing a load of things out and putting them on a Kanban board and saying, okay, I, I find this to be deep and this to be shallow and this to be mm. deep and this to be shallow. What I'm trying to say basically is that it might be that you need to do work on that to figure out how you respond and what what which way those tasks fall what you find meaningful and purposeful and will 
push your business on and what won't, what's just a distraction. Yeah, I think that's smart. And the process that I recommend following is to start from a super forest through the trees view. I think that if, if you want to apply deep work strategically, it's best to first say, what do I want for my business? Where do I want to take it? So you said you want to grow the audience for WP builds, but you also said that it kind of grows on its own. So the thing that I would challenge you to think about is what active things can you do to grow your audience? What are the things that will move you forward in that direction? And yeah. then yeah, yeah. when you have your list of those things, you can ask yourself what subtasks within that list would benefit from intensely focused work. And so let's say one of your subtasks, which I don't think it would be, but let's say one of your subtasks is guest blogging. Obviously, if you're going to be writing blog posts, like that would benefit from really focused work. But let's say that one of your subtasks is reaching out to other podcasts so that you can be a guest on their podcast. Email to reach out to these people is kind of inherently not, um, I don't know, not that deep. But let's say part of your outreach is doing some research on these podcasters first. If you don't already know them, maybe listening to their episodes, researching their websites, that's the kind of thing that could be deep work. So it's almost like if you could start with your big goal, dissect that into what you need to do to move forward in that direction. And then you can almost sift those tasks into buckets of whether or not they'd benefit from deep work. Then when you have a deep work block, you know exactly what you can best spend that on. So if you spend a deep work block on shallow work, you kind of wasted it. If you spend a deep work block on deep work, then you've used it to its fullest potential. So when you are sort of chunking up, so it is a deep block, deep work block. Are you talking about time there? You've allocated time a bit of a day. Did I misunderstand that? You did not misunderstand. Okay. So you, is that the way you do it then? You've, you've kind of blocked out your, your say calendar, let's say your, your weekly diary into, you know, Monday, there's this, 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 and this, and Tuesday, there's this and this, and you try to stick to those more or less religiously. Well, I, so the first half of that, I agree with the mm -hmm. second half, the religiously part, not so much. Like, okay. um, so it's interesting to hear you talk about introspection and how much you think about things. I used to be very impulsive and intuitive and not very introspective. And then I, I've been with my girlfriend for almost six years and she's, her and I are opposites naturally in a lot of ways. She takes a lot of time to think about things and then she takes action and I usually just jump right in. But we've rubbed off on each other over the years, and now I'm kind of a blend. I think about things and take action. And so maybe, again, I could tie it back to ADHD, maybe not. I'm not really that great at estimating time and sticking to right. time blocks. Yeah. So what I personally find works best, my whole kind of framework here, I know that I work best in the mornings, especially if I can build good willpower with like a low-carb breakfast and stuff like that. Uh, I know I work best in the mornings. I know I work best without my attention being taken. So for me, I have my deep work blocks at the beginning of the days. And um, I use an app called Sunsama that kind of helps you with time blocking. A lot of people use it very religiously. I don't. And I'm getting, the, the app's actually helping me a lot with getting better at, at uh, actually knowing how, how long things are going to take because when I go over on a time block and I have a regimented time block day, then it kind of screws everything up. So I'm getting better at leaving gaps and making longer estimates and stuff. But the process that I follow that I think is a good place to start for anyone is to first 
do that high level thinking. Think about your business, think about your goals, think about what's going to benefit from focused work. And then ask yourself what time of the day you're most productive. For someone with kids like you, it might not be the morning. Yeah. If if you can't realistically close the office door and not be interrupted, I think that there are a lot of people with kids who their most productive time of day is like the middle of the night or after the kids are put to sleep or whatever. Um, but I think that whatever that time is, having it blocked off to do really high quality work is super helpful. And the yeah. way that I like to personally structure it is uh, based on 50 minute work cycles with five or 10 minute breaks. And so I, ha- I have like a Pomodoro timer that instead of the 25 minute Pomodoro typical, typical thing, which if you haven't heard of Pomodoro, it's a 25 minute work cycle with a five minute break. Uh, I like 50, 10 a bit better. Okay. So let's say for you, you said you wanted to cut out your email first thing. The thing I would challenge you to do would not to just be to cut it out arbitrarily, because I think if you're not intentional about what you replace it with, you might not see benefits. I would instead challenge you to think of if there are any deep work things for your business that will really move the needle and really push it forward. And if so, allocate the time. And the reason I do the 50-10 work blocks is that I get into what I call code zombie mode if I just (laughs) sit there and zoom in. And then my brain just kind of stops working and I just bash my head against the wall until it works. Uh, which doesn't work so well with deep work because deep work often requires that sort of intentionality and, and brain activity in order to be high quality. Yeah. Uh, so if you were to start small, like I think you said 1 p.m., 2 p.m., I think that might be a bit much. I think if you start small with one hour or two hours and you have tasks slated in advance that you know you're going to be working on so you don't have to start your deep work and say, deep work block and say, what am I going to work on? You already know because you wrote it the day before or whatever. That's where you're going to be really set up for success. So that's what I do personally. And that's what I think would be a good place to start is even one hour, even 30 minutes, just anything, any amount of intentionality around this is an improvement over just being pulled around by Slack messages and emails and calls all day. You, you mentioned a couple, so there's a couple of things that I'll respond to based upon the things that you said, and they're not necessarily going to push the conversation forward, but it's interesting. My, um, my dad used to work from home. He did the more or less the whole time that I was growing up and he, he had this really clever, I think, life hack, which was if he was in an, in an undisturbable mood, um, because he had to walk through the, the house to you know to visit the bathroom and things like that and so there were moments where we as children could have completely derailed his day by just i don't know throwing pillows at him or something and all he was doing was using the bathroom and he needed to get back he would he would wear a certain pair of shoes and the pair of shoes was indicative that he must be (laughs) left alone he very rarely wore the pair of shoes but when he did wear the pair of shoes it was like a it was like a signal saying don't don't even bother you know, this <laughs> is, this is, I need to be left alone. So it was quite, quite interesting. So on some level, he, he had made a decision that this is time that I need to not be derailed. And so he did it. And it was a physical manifestation of that, which I thought was quite curious. And the other thing was about the podcast and growing the podcast. And, and I imagine you could apply this to anything. The people have already, people have already had these thoughts before me, you know, you can go and you can, uh, purchase, I want to say, but probably there's free alternatives. There are ways of uh, finding this knowledge because people have already gone through it. You know, there are courses that you can run for how to how to grow your podcasts and things like that. And so, mm. 
there's maybe ways to short circuit even the learning process, which I I've seen them. They've crossed my radar before, but I haven't really given any thought to it in the past. So that's that's kind of an interesting thing that I might need to take take steps towards in the future. And learning is a perfect thing for deep work. So it could be that that's where your deep work blocks go at first is towards learning. Okay, wow. I've just looked at the clock and we're on about 50 odd minutes, which is basically exactly the amount of time that we would allocate at the extreme end of a podcast episode. <laughs> so yeah, we've definitely kept going. What a, <laughs> wow. Um, how do you fancy splitting this up and coming back in a couple of weeks time? We don't normally do this, but coming back in a couple of weeks time and having another round of the podcast. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that sounds good. We can. Um, we talked a little bit about my high-level framework, and we could next episode go more in-depth and like finish fleshing it out, and I can do a little recap today if you okay. want. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. So we'll, we'll flesh out a little bit more about the bits and pieces that we've been talking at on a very high level today. But you... I know that one of the key things that you wanted to get across on this episode, we may well do it again in the next episode, is, as you just mentioned, a framework that you've got for tackling all of these bits and pieces. Do you want to just run through that before we call it a day? Yeah, sure. So to recap, the forest through the trees framework that I like to follow, some of which we've covered today already, uh, the framework I like to follow for getting my best work done basically looks like this. Step one determine what your big goals are. We talked a bit about that already. Step two, determine what needs to happen next to get there. And I think Nathan mentioned something really helpful about this, that sometimes you don't know what that is and you need to take a course. Or for me, uh, I've seen some good success with hiring a mentor, finding someone who's a couple steps further than me and just booking them by the hour to ask what I should work on next. Uh, so step two, determine what needs to happen next to get there. Step three, do the work that moves you towards that daily when you have your best energy. Uh, for me, that means before everything else. For you, it might mean the middle of the night after kids are going to bed, whatever. Mm. Uh, but you have to intentionally carve out that time and make sure no one can disturb you with that time. So in the second half of this episode that we're going to come back to, I'll talk about, and Nathan will talk about, some of our favorite tools and strategies for getting your best deep work done. So this will be things to help with, like, not being interruptible, things to help with impulse control, things to help with focus in general, stuff like that. So that'll be helpful in that sense. Uh, step four, only after you've spent time working on the most important things, uh, should you spend time working in the business. And so if you're a freelancer wanting to grow, you might have your deep work on the business followed by your deep work in the business. So that's like your really focused coding time, whatever it might be. And then after that is when you do your shallow work, like responding to emails and stuff. Step five is uh, to be mindful, and this will sound maybe a little bit heavy-handed, but be mindful of the idea that if you really want to grow your business, each week that you're only doing fulfillment is essentially treading water. And it might be that situation Nathan was talking about earlier where you look back after a year and you realize you're just kind of in the same place. Uh, and then step six of the high-level framework is to essentially optimize your time and focus with the right tool systems and support to help pick up the slack where you fall off instead of shaming yourself for not being perfect looking at it just as you know different levers that you pull different strengths and weaknesses you have and putting the stuff in place to help make up for your weaknesses and emphasize your strengths so that is a high level framework that we'll dig into a bit more in the next one yeah so i think 
in our broad-ranging discussion that we had today, we probably did touch on quite a few of those six different points that you just mentioned. Um, just before we finish, we'll, as I said, we'll unexpectedly come back next week. and No, not next week, in two weeks' time. We'll come back and we'll uh, finish this off, hopefully with those six bullet points that Zach's just mentioned, you know, strapped to our side so that we've got a bit of direction. <laughs> but um, I know, Zach, that you, you had something that you wanted to mention. You've obviously kind of wrapped this up into a course. And I think just before we finish, you should probably mention that in case any of this resonates with anybody and they want to inspect that before the next episode in two weeks. Yeah, so originally this outline, which was obviously way too long, had <laughs> a step-by-step -step implementation guide of that high-level overview. Um, but in the interest of brevity and not having this take up eight episodes on the podcast or something, <laughs> I basically <laughs> cut that and turned it into a free course. So if this idea of getting really good focused, deep work, moving your business forward sounds good to you, uh, I built a free course that will help you implement. So in it, I'm going to walk you through how to set good goals and determine what the right kind of deep work even is and help you zoom in on like where you should be spending your time. And then I have some exercise to help you find out where your time is currently going and refine and then move from there into building good habits and systems. And then I talk about different um, tools to help you implement and keep yourself on track and a good iteration process that I like to follow for monitoring where I'm doing well, where I need work. And basically the goal is to hone a super helpful system over time. So if you wanted to take that, it's a free course and uh, you can Join it at kickassfreelancing.com slash deep work. Nice. Kickassfreelancing.com forward slash deep work. Like I said, unexpectedly, it's going to be a, another episode in a couple of weeks. So, Zach, nice one. Thank you. I've enjoyed that chat a lot, but we'll, we'll come back in a couple of weeks and, and round it off. Thanks for talking to me on the podcast today. And thank you. See you soon. Okay, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Really interesting chatting to Zach and, as you no doubt heard, we did get carried away and we decided to split it up. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for Zach to finish off. There's lots and lots of ground which we didn't manage to cover. He was incredibly good at writing out comprehensive show notes and the beginnings of those are on the WP Builds website. Go and search for episode number 310 over there and leave us any comments that you may have and we will find out whether or not I'm any good at giving up my Gmail habit next time round. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP builds and very sincere thanks to GoDaddy Pro for their continuing ongoing support, keeping the lights on at the WP Builds podcast. Okay, as it was an interview this week, I'll be back next week with my friend David Wormsley to have a chat about something related to WordPress. We are on our talking about the unmentionable series of podcasts and uh, yeah we'll have to see which one is coming around but hopefully you'll join us for that if you like doing things live we've got our this week in wordpress show 2 p.m uk time join us live it'll get repurposed as a podcast episode but it's always nice when people drop in and give us some commentary the only thing i need to do is say we'll see you in a couple of weeks for more zach and stay safe i'm gonna fade in some cheesy music and say 